You're listening to The Local Beat, a podcast by WKNC dedicated to bringing North Carolina rockers directly to the airwaves. The Local Beat is hosted by DJ Beowulf and features in-studio performances as well as interviews with active local musicians. Be sure to follow WKNC on SoundCloud at WKNC881 and on iTunes so you never miss a beat. Thanks for tuning in. I can go the way of the dinosaur Pretend you never seen my face That we never talked before I could be a friend Or I could be no one, no one No one is what I am to me No one is such an awful thing to be No one is such an awful thing to be Catch a plane to Argentina And maybe yesterday is the last time I would have seen ya And I could be an enemy Or go ahead and tell your friends that I never existed I was just a spark that you deeply missed it Your worst part is no one takes the blame Except that no one is my name And no one feels the same Right. So thank you very much, Tennis Elbow, for being here today. I know we are all struggling with not having access to the same resources that we usually do. So I appreciate your time and effort figuring out Zoom with me for a special edition of The Local Beat, as I have yet to do a quarantine session yet. So I'm pretty excited about that. And no, I don't expect you guys to play music. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've had the full band talking with me so if y'all could introduce yourselves that would be fantastic <laughs> my name is ryan i'm i'm uh i am the the band leader um and the tennis player number one 
Tennis player number two, it's up to you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, my name's Chandler, and I play bass, and I'm, I'm tennis, tennis player number two, but we tennis only. Uh, <laughs> I'm Heather. I play drums live. Um, yeah. Does that mean that you don't <laughs> record the drum parts? Um, last, last album I recorded. This time it's all Ryan for, for the drum. Well, we'll talk a lot about the recording process yeah. in a little bit as... Uh, when Ryan talked about Do You Belong Here, we focused a lot on the recording style. So we'll definitely have to bring it back and do some pros and cons and contrasting. But like I said, we haven't spoken since July of 2019. What has the band been doing since then? Well, we kind of went on hiatus <laughs> as of August. So Tennis Elbow didn't really exist for a, a little bit just because um, Heather and I moved to Brooklyn. I was going to say for what reason, but I guess for what reason did you move to Brooklyn? Uh, to follow our dreams. Follow our dreams. <laughs> and how's that going, I guess? It was bad. It's, <laughs> it's going very bad. It's actually, it actually couldn't be going any worse, if you're if I'm being honest. We tried, though. It's super hard. I, we talked a little bit over the phone when setting up this interview, uh, and I said that I was interested in discussing what, like, the New York music environment is as compared to, like, North Carolina and specifically Wilmington, which is your place of origin, for those who are unaware. Um, can you elaborate on that? Because when I originally brought it up, you said, I could go on forever, so give it a shot. Well, I was really hoping that Heather would say yes, because that is a Heather question. Um, she is, uh, she's in, in Brooklyn bands and she has performed and she is, uh, in the know. And I think she could probably do a really succinct, uh, comparison. Popcorn it to Heather then. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's quite different. Um, I think in terms of sound, which is a given, but also just like, I don't know, it's, I think they're more there's a there's a certain intensity with it it's more intense it's more uh like these are these are people's livings like they're just musicians that's all they do pretty much they produce on the side and they play shows mm -hmm. whereas like in Wilmington you'll have like I work at cookout but I'm also on a band so it's kind of like people people go to Brooklyn to have a career in music and that's what they do so that's what all they do so it's pretty it's really it's really cool I like it when you say intense, could the word competitive also be used? Is that an apt description? Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's, I mean, it's hard to get to be on bills. It's hard to play shows. It's hard to maybe join a band and sort of, since there's so many people and so many bands, it's hard to make yourself seen. It's hard to, you know, be different. Um, but yeah, it's, it can be competitive for sure. You, uh, since you said that you like it, um, oftentimes when people talk about New York, you know, you hear the story of people moving there and following their dreams, as Ryan said, um, and then kind of getting like the New York burnout and saying like, this is too much for me. Um, even though it's intense and competitive, like, why do you like it so much? And I guess, what are you specifically it, doing in the scene? I mean, it can be, it's, it's addictive because every time you, you leave your house, you're, you're like you're coming face to face with such an intensity and it's it's it can be intimidating at times too but i think that scariness and i mean the people you meet are 
always better than you in New York. So it's, it pushes you, um, pushes you, it pushes you to be, become better and, you know, better in your craft and, and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I, so I, I, I play synthesizer in a, in a Brooklyn band called Assassin of Youth. And all, all the other band members are like Berkeley, like college of music graduates. And I <laughs> have no formal training. Never, I ever, never took any lessons. So I'm <laughs> completely out of my element, but being around all those extremely talented, smart people in terms of music, it's just like, it's mind blowing, it's addictive. I guess this would be a pretty good transition considering the addictive nature. Um, any of you could answer this question. How are you continuing to do music in quarantine? Um, well, I, I made an album. Um, <laughs> Which is why we're here today. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of have like a manic energy. Um, I think the, the band- Which will, is uh, evident yeah. on the album. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I will take that as a compliment. No, that the band, I think, totally um, gets my manic energy which is kind of why i like them so much because i'll go hey um i have a 30 song rock opera i want to make and they'll go okay um so <laughs> I, it, it does kind of it does kind of feel like um you know no matter what i kind of say they'll be like i'm down yeah let's try it you know who cares um so yeah i mean i uh i i, I made the album and then um in doing so, I kind of put Two Tree Hill on ice for a second because I um, have pretty much only done that in New York. And I, because, because I've only done that in New York, I, I guess that there was kind of an aspect of music that I wasn't uh, really uh, exploring like I would like to. Um, and I, I've written so many songs that I was just like, I need to do something with it. So, for the um, sake of yeah, continuity, um, I'll skim over the Two Tree mm -hmm. Hill part uh, and just say that we're gonna talk about that a lot later. Um, but would you say writing this album is what kind of just like ended the tennis elbow hiatus? You just decided that you wanted to keep working on it essentially? Well, yeah, I mean, Heather and I have been talking about the new tennis elbow album for months and months because I'll, I'll go, I'll go into her room because we live across literally four feet from <laughs> each other and I'll go, hey, Heather, um, I wrote a new song and she'll go, cool, buddy. And then I'll do that, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, like I, I've definitely been writing these songs for a while. But um, the whole album was recorded under quarantine, um, which was a surreal experience for us um, from the get-go. It was it's such a such a weird uh, such a weird atmosphere. But I think we made the best of it. Um, I hope so, at least. I have a lot of compliments for the album, so I'm very excited to discuss with y'all um, the making of it. Uh, I actually didn't know that it was made exclusively during quarantine. That's kind of a fast turnaround time. How long have you been writing the songs? Um, well, this is the longest turnaround time for any Tennis Elbow album by a lot. Usually we record everything in like two weeks and then the album is done like a week later. So this is like, um, it took two months. Um, so that, that, that was kind of a, I guess, I guess I had more time to play with it, but um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've, I've always wanted Tennis elbow to have a sort of intensity and sort of rawness and imperfection aspect of it um but this time i felt like I, I guess maybe i just had more to say than i did last time and maybe i, I wanted to explore sonically more than i did last time so way longer that makes a lot of sense um i think that this album 
is really exciting. I think a rock opera is a good description of it. Um, I really enjoyed sitting and listening to it straight through at least once. Um, and there were there were moments where I was captivated because it was lush and deep in its sound and but also exciting and there were different dance parts and I audibly laughed at some of the transitions at how quickly they changed. Uh, but I really enjoyed listening to it. <laughs> and I'm really excited to explore this album. What was it like recording bass parts in different cities? Yeah, it, it was interesting. Uh, Ryan called me, oh geez, I don't even know, like a month ago maybe? He was like, hey man, like how's it going? Like I have these songs, I wanted to like, you know, ask you if you wanted to do bass for it, because, you know, obviously I'm not doing anything, uh, <laughs> you know, just locked in my room and, you know, listening to records and playing video games, so, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was, I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be great, you know, it's awesome. Uh, I, you know, because I haven't, you know, obviously done anything with, with either of those guys in a, in a while, so, uh, you know, he sent me the files over, and it was actually pretty quick, um, you know, just, you know, hearing the songs and, like, writing the parts, and I remember, you know, actually sitting, like, right here, I would, like, rec use my, like, you know, iPhone video recorder and be like, hey man, like this is, I think this is kind of cool. What do you think? And then you'd be like, oh, it's great. And, you know, after like a couple of days, you know, kind of get the parts down and send them back to him and, you know, take notes if I needed to and anything I needed to change. Did Ryan provide any like scratch based tracks that for you to go off of like a general concept or was it entirely your writing? Not really. Uh, but the reason why I, I chuckled a little bit is because there was, I think, I forget which song we were working on, but he sent me, <laughs> he sent me a voice memo of like what he's like, hey man, can you do something like this? And it was just like, like, yeah, but like something he was, <laughs> I get it. It's probably the same like reaction I feel like someone who plays drums is like thinking about when I'm like, hey, can you do something that's like that? And you know, and they're just like, what? Um, <laughs> but so yes and no. there was like some like a general like feel because I'm always very like over uh analytical I guess about a lot of stuff and well, you know I don't want to be playing too much or am I playing too little so I sort of would would ask him as sort of a uh, a, a guiding force if you will um a puppet uh, master yes yes <laughs> wait exactly. just holding wait. the Wiimote Check. you have it <laughs> Check this out. Um, this is uh, something that he sent me. If, if we can see it, let's see if I can. Oh yeah. So okay, there's. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get too into it, but uh, he sent me one of the songs, and for the life of me, this is terrible for promotion. I can't think of it. Ryan knows, I'm sure. Right? Oh yeah, no. It, it, it changed names three times. It's called Anytime Now. Okay, <laughs> so it was that one. Um, so I'm, I'm a good. I'm a good band member. Um, and I was listening to it. And up to this point, I'd like, you know, heard the song, like I got the feel for it. And there's this part in the middle where it kind of does this really weird, like, breakdown. And the drums are all over the place. And at first I was like, man, am I just not that good? Like, am I, am I not picking up on, like, the time signature? And I, was, I sat here for probably an hour. I'm, like, listening to it. I'm like, okay, that's in 6-8. And I'm like, okay, now it just switches completely to, like, 5-4. And so I ended up writing it down. I think I still have the paper here somewhere. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, this is the, the paper that I used to write down the, the changes in time signatures, and it's probably not going to pick up on the camera, but it goes from like 6-8 to 5-4. There's other some chords here, too. Um, 
And I was like, yeah, man, this is, this is the time signature. I was like, I, I texted Ryan. I was like, yeah, like, what did you do for that? Like, how was, what was the thing? He's like, oh, dude, I have no idea. I just kind of did what I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, cool. I'm a crazy person. I love math rock. <laughs> Truly, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious, but, and then, uh, well, but it, I think there. it turned out great. I thought it was really cool that, uh, you know, it sort of floats and changes and shifts. Um, Which is, is a like, good way very... to describe the album, too. It has a lot of floating yeah. and changing and shifting. Um, and I also think that that's kind of a yeah. central theme about the album. Um, like, there's a lot of historical references, and I, I when listening to it, could kind of draw some compare and contrast between the um, depth of writing that Ryan applied for Do You Belong Here to this new album, which we haven't even said the title yet. Go ahead and say it, Ryan. It's your cue. It's called Dropping a Han Dynasty Urn. Dropping a Han Dynasty Urn. But um, there is there is a lot of there's a lot of change, um, particularly when you're advocating for change in um, Overton window swing when you're talking about changing in relationship dynamics. Um, so tell me more about that historical theme. Like, what was your thought process going into that? Um, well, uh, the thing that inspired the album um, was uh, Ai Weiwei's 1996, 1995. No, 1995. Um, uh, uh, like, like uh, the series of paintings. He has, he has three paintings in a row where it shows him uh, holding a Han Dynasty urn, um, and then the second one's him letting it go. And then the third one is the Han Dynasty urn shattering on the ground. And the Han Dynasty urn probably was worth around $2 million. Mm -hmm. And um, Ai Weiwei has a lot of other um, really amazing pieces where he's like taking ancient urns and uh, drawing Coca-Cola symbols on them. And, and like, you know what I mean? Like, like doing these like crazy things that, um, you know, most people think that these things are like, you know, really valuable and really historic. Um, but the way that he describes it, and it was so poignant to me, was he said that the only way to destroy the old world, um, sorry, the only way to build a new world is by destroying the old one. And so uh, that was uh, huge. That was huge for me. And so um, I said, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's a really good, it's a really good philosophy, especially now more than ever when things are kind of going to shit. So um, it, it definitely... Um, it definitely was very inspirational. Um, and the Overton window is a, um, I mean, you can Google it, <laughs> but uh, the Overton window is a, is the, the, the window that um, like the, you know, that we find that we think the left and the right are, and it's always shifting to the left and right. So um, being a center of the window, um, it could be that you're the left later or you're the right later. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? So uh, it's all about, um, you know, a shift in what we find uh, normal and what we find um, acceptable as a society. And you mentioned uh, Google. I did have to look up a lot of different things when listening to this album. Um, particularly, <laughs> my mom your... hates that. By the way, does she really? Uh, yeah, she 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 goes. I hate the names, and I think that you should make them things that people know because you seem like a, you seem like a jerk, and I wouldn't want to be your friend. And I was like, See, "Fair, that's very fair. Thank you, mom." My next comment could either support your mom or undermine your mom. Last <laughs> album cycle, we talked about your compare and contrast with Jack White, and then we also called him a pretentious prick for like fifteen minutes. And yeah, he the, is, he is, but he's great. These <laughs> albums, these song titles are. Um, very Jack White. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I um, I I I called I called um the songs like their names for like real reasons, but you know, looking at the track list, you go, oh, this sucks. I I hate this. <laughs> How do it's, I pronounce uh, uh like a third of this? Um, so. Do You Belong Here was your Lazaretto. This is your boarding house ranch. I It has the same, obviously Jack White <laughs> is untouchable, so don't get a big head here, but <laughs> the, the progression from each album, um, I think is really comparable. And I can see uh, some inspiration there, uh, which I thought was cool comparing it to our last conversation about the album. Did you find it difficult to communicate these extravagant ideas to your band members? Yeah, especially to Heather, <laughs> because I, um, from the get-go, you know, I knew that if I wanted to make a tennis elbow album in the next three or four months, that it would be very, very difficult to, you know, because our, our style of recording is we don't use BPM. Um, we, we don't do, like, we don't do anything that, like, would help us in a scenario where we're far apart. We, we always kind of record things together in, in one space. So, um, you know, it was, there was just no way for me to convey what I thought the song should be. So I went and I recorded drums um, ahead of time, um, which was both a, a betrayal, but also um, kind of cool for Heather in the sense that she got to ex kind of have a, a weirder uh, touch on this album that she doesn't usually have in a Tinnasola project. Mm -hmm. um, it became uh, more akin to her Pinky Verde work in the sense that like, you know, it wasn't afraid to get wonky. Um, and, you know, I think that's why I like her, her solo stuff so much and, and why I wanted her to be in the band in the first place is because she's a talented producer, a talented songwriter, and also not afraid to be weird as hell. And um, I respect that so hard. <laughs> Heather, do you have any commentary on those descriptors? Um, yeah, I, I, I remember Ryan first telling me about his like idea for the whole Han Dynasty thing. I thought it was, I love it. It's very fascinating. I, I love history and culture and stuff. Um, but, and I, 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 he said he wanted to, to have sort of a Pinky Verde influence, I guess. And I can totally see that on like, like the, the, the five minute song. What's, what's that song called? Oh gosh, I should have <laughs> written that song minutes. name. It's called uh, Roger Moorcock. Yes, I actually have a reference to that uh, song in just a second. That, okay. that song definitely reminds me of like Pinky Verde because it, it goes on all these weird tangents and it's not structured really. And so that's, I dig it. The wonky. The instrumentation on this album is kind of crazy. Um, I mentioned earlier that there were transitions <laughs> that made me like audibly laugh. And one of them was in Roger Moorcock. Um, I actually wrote down this little note that I'm going to read directly off the page. I said, um, stylistic maturity, really complex album. Instrumentation gets kind of crazy. In specifics, flute on Dinosaur and Intro and Roger Moorcock, the insane guitar sol solo on the second song. Um, and then the space transition at the in the middle of Roger Moorcock, uh, which kind of gave me some space oddity, David Bowie vibes. And then it just kind of like exploded back into um, like funk music. And I laughed at that. I had to, it was such a wild change. <laughs> um, 
And so when you mentioned earlier that this album came out of like manic energy, I was like, yeah, it definitely did. But can you tell me more about who did the additional instruments, like the flute on this album, the extra vocals, the spoken word? There's so many little bits and pieces in, uh, in the making of this. I would love to. Heather, can you, can you fetch Julia while I tell her this? Um, uh, I, um, I uh, got my friend Rhiannon, who has played saxophone on every Rhiannon Dewey, project. a classic. She is um, on a lot of it, but my friend uh, Joe, um, also Joe is his, is his artist name. Um, he uh, is very talented. He, he does the, the chorus on the song Eurydice. Um, he sings in Roger Moorcock, part of the people screaming. Um, and his, uh, you know, uh, his, his girlfriend, um, the lovely Paige, um, she does the flute on Dinosaur, and she does flute and saxophone on Roger Moorcock, and she's very talented. And she sings on um, uh, Nero Diocletian. She does the the backing the harmony and, part. Yep. And then um, she does the the chorus on Anytime Now. Um, uh, we'll still be happy anyway. She sings that, and then she also does the screaming and Roger Moorcock. So she is all over this thing. Um, and, wow. then, uh, and then I asked my uh, comedy friend, uh, Julia Desmond, um, who I have always thought was the coolest person in the world. And I asked her out of nowhere, kind of out of like, literally I, I text her, can you send me a rant? I don't care what it's about, but just make it political. And she was like, yeah, I'll do that right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I got immediately. it. Immediately. Right. And so like, I didn't feed her anything. I did not feed her any lines. I was just like, send me whatever you honestly think. And then I'll, I will put it on top of the song. And she was super down and uh, I, I, it fits stupidly well. I'm so proud of it. I mean, there's a lot to be proud of in this album. Um, like I said, my, my thoughts go on regarding references I could make of like sonic similarities and changes between this album and your previous work, which by the way, I'm very excited to have explored um, all three of your albums at this point. Um, and the development of the three of you as musicians has been really fun to watch and explore. Um, speaking of Eurydice, which you brought up when describing the additional um, instrumentation, uh, it's a phenomenally lush song. I think it was perhaps my favorite song on the album. It's another historical reference that I went and Googled and was interested in the results. But it was almost like a power pop ballad, sort of, which is, I think, a genre or trend that's really coming back right now. Do you have any specific um, inspiration when writing that song? Or what are your thoughts behind that one specifically? Yeah, no, I, I wrote that song in 2017 for a band called Outline Skate. Um, and uh, I made a demo of it and I never did the vocals for it. I never recorded the vocals, but I was inspired because uh, Jens Lechman has a, a really great uh, debut record. Um, I forget the name of it, but it's really great. But Jens Lechman has a, a wonderful record and um, um, that kind of does the same, a similar synth thing, but instead of um, the lush synth, he plays a thousand violins um, mm -hmm. and it's like, insanely cool um and it was very influential for that track
I um, uh, kind of go off a little bit less about Eurydice and more about the song uh, uh, Palisade Past You. I think you, uh, you mentioned the guitar solo specifically at the end of that song. I did, um, yeah. And, and the guitar solo was done by none other than Chandler Fix on the guitar. <laughs> what? what is this? <laughs> Don't know. Yeah. That was that was fun. Um, Ryan sent me a text and he said, "Make it like Prince." And I said, "I can't do that." Make it like Prince. I can do something. Um, yeah, it was it was cool. I, I don't. I mean, I, I've played guitar longer than I played bass. Uh, probably fifteen, sixteen years, and uh, it was kind of cool. I don't, I don't ever get to play guitar in any projects, so it was kind of fun to you know bust that out and get some shredding going <laughs> oh and, and he delivered he delivered so hard do all three of you have a like um a heavy interest in 80s music just straight question like that yeah. no no <laughs> no heather doesn't know any music that's like, that's a famous music. fact about heather what kind, wait what kind of 80s music um, I think it varies. When we when we talked about Do You Belong Here, we discussed specifically Olivia Newton-John's physical 
um, regarding mm -hmm. this album being it's like I called it earlier power pop that's a, a, a genre that's coming back you see it on um, Haley Williams new album and then Dua Lipa recently also ripped off physical from our last discussion um, and I think that the like the new wave stylings are really in right now um, and I wanted to know whether or not that was intentional or if you just really like a variety of 80s you mentioned Prince and he made music in the 80s and I quoted David Bowie earlier and he made music in the 80s and yeah um there's a lot there yeah I mean I obviously there are a lot of artists in the 80s that um there's a lot of music from there's the a 80s. lot there's a lot of music in the 80s period in a sentence um I grew up on I grew up on um a lot of like suicidal tendencies and merciful fate and misfits and stuff like that um yeah. so like my understanding of the 80s is mainly heavy metal um but it wasn't until like uh, like five years ago or so that i really dived into prince's discography and um obviously david bowie has a wonderful um Let, let's dance is a great record from mm -hmm. start to finish an excellent record um yeah. and obviously obviously chandler could talk your your head off about um you know a black flag and all the washington dc punksters right Oh yeah, that's all, like, all that stuff. I mean, that's why I asked, like, what 80s? I mean, obviously there's not, like, a hardcore breakdown on, on this record or anything, but yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of 80s stuff, yeah. I, I grew up on all, like, the metal and the punk and all that, like, heavy stuff, but then, like, new wave and, like, synth pop and stuff is amazing, and, like, a lot of, like, you know, it, like, Bowie, obviously, and Prince, for sure, like, some it's amazing, not terribly yeah. far off to quote 80s punk though um maybe it's not super evident when listening to the to the album specifically but um 80s punk is very like when you think of like hardcore as a genre it's very reliant on a groove you mentioned a breakdown and um uh, like the bass yeah. guitar and that backing like lean into the music kind of feel is uh was really developed in the 80s whether it's disco or whether it's um like hardcore it's it's a, a common characteristic and this album oh, yeah. dropping a, a han urn is a han dynasty urn i apologize is really reliant on reliant on you chandler so it's it's it, it is it's, it's not funny I, 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 yeah. like the the difference uh or sorry i guess not the difference but the uh Sign of similarities between like the groove of you know a hardcore breakdown and the groove of like a disco song because I've I've definitely been quoted in saying that or at least I've said this to like friends of mine that I like view the same breakdown in like a Slayer song with the same intensity as I view like a breakdown in like a Joni Mitchell song mm -hmm. like it it feels the same to me which is yeah. probably you know weird for some people but it's yeah it's that like sort of that rhythm of it all that i you know really enjoy bringing because if it's not there then it's like what you know what is there absolutely um A like wonderful to, quote. To, uh, yeah no i i i think i think i i told chandler on the phone and i, re I really i really meant it and i still mean it i told him that Kenneth elbow is chandler hicks chandler hicks <laughs> is is the backbone of Tennis Elbow's groove. You know what I mean? Like he, he really I, does bring I, it all together. I have I'll give, a note. I'll give like 25% of that time. <laughs> <laughs> I have a note here. It's specifically under um, Overton Window Swing and Eurydice, but it says, um, 
really, really emotive music, introspective, heavy, and lush, contrasted with speedballing funk and Chandler being a wizard. Uh, and I wrote this down. So. <laughs> I was going to wear my cloak, but I thought it would be too much. <laughs> it's it's a little too up. flashy. You'd make me feel bad. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't want to, you know, overstep my, you know. Look, I changed out of pajamas for this interview. Be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I actually, I, I misspoke when I said that I did all the drums for the uh, the record because Heather does play drums on Eurydice. Heather is also a wizard, so. And yeah, no, like, like, it, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, um, we all had to be kind of creative when, in how we wrote the parts, but obviously um, how we incorporated each other and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, I think, I think what was important for me about this, this album was that Kenneth Elbow is is it i mean for me it's a 90s ironic ben folds cover band um but it was important You've for always me to, cited ben uh, folds. um it, but it's, it's always been like i don't want tennis elbow to have a a sound but i want you to hear a tennis elbow song and go that's tennis elbow mm -hmm. um like i, I don't want to be in a, necessarily a, a one genre um because I, I think that's, I, I, I'd like to have fun in an experiment. I think Chandler and Heather, obviously, from crazy different uh, reaches of music. I mean, and both of you guys love totally different stuff. But because of that, you guys bring totally different stuff to the table. Um, Chandler likes hardcore. Chandler likes punk. Chandler likes funk. Um, like, like, Heather likes, likes bedroom pop. Heather likes, um, like, like, Keegan and Sarah and, like, early 2000s, like, you know, like, <laughs> Um, like LGBT trailblazers, you know what I mean? Like, like it's 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 that like the they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, and I think that makes the band so much better than I would be by myself by a lot. I agree. I agree completely. Um, and like I said earlier, I've really enjoyed seeing these different influences come together across three albums. Um, kind of a grab bag question but do any of y'all have a specifically favorite moment on the album i'll answer last it's heather time i think it's heather time it's got to be heather time he heather's heard the whole album i my, my favorite moment i yeah i really like the end of Overton uh, window swing. Is that that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember his name. They're all new to me, but at the at, at the end of that they're, song, they're I, like, I, I like like at the very end. I don't know if you changed this, but when when Julia says "fuck," no, it's still there. Okay, it's still okay. there. I I love that. That six dollars. <laughs> That was one of the the transitions that made me laugh. It was just very yeah. on the nose. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, it's so funny. And and I cut her off right before she finishes the words. But I was like, she is so funny and delivered that so great that I was like, I can't not make that the end of the song. Like that's so perfect, right? <laughs> it just cuts off. It's perfect. Oh look, it's Chandler time as well. It's it's, it's I was see I was I was thinking very uh, very hard on on what part was my favorite and like halfway through whoever was just talking because I was thinking so hard I couldn't even remember. <laughs> I remembered uh there's a saxophone part that Rhiannon does on um now I'm blanking on the song uh 
How's it go? The one, the butter, the butter, the butter, the butter, the butter, the butter, the Overall, overall. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So the third, like the 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 last verse, like right before the chord changes, there's this part where she's like, like the saxophone, and it kind of lifts up the back half of the song. That shit is so good. Like that shit is so good. He does like listen to that song just to hear that saxophone part. Like I could take me out of the song. Me too. Like that shit is so good. She's such a good like performer. Like oh my God. She sent me the sweetest text um, shortly after sending me all the all the files. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was along the lines of like, um, I haven't touched my saxophone um, all of quarantine, and I haven't been um, like artistically inspired in so long. But you giving me these crazy weird tracks and telling me to write whatever I want on top of them has been a blast. And so, it, it's one of the rare times where you ask someone to do something, and then they, then they go. Thank you, and you go no, 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 no. You, you. Thank you. Oh my God, thank <laughs> you. Are you kidding me? Yeah, there's like so many good moments of, of like her just, you know, going to town. Oh um, my so God, yeah. On, that, that open window good. swing, like, like. Oh yeah, open window swing. She, she goes off. Yeah. So good. There are definitely some really incredible um, okay, saxophone I, moments. You go first. Okay. Um. My my uh my favorite track is Dinosaur on the album. The very um, first track. The very first track. That's my favorite song because Heather and I developed that song kind of together because that song is an, uh was initially on a EP we made called Elite by Cyberspace Heartbreak, which doesn't exist anymore right now, but will eventually when I re-upload it to Spotify. Um, but uh yeah, I I I was told by Julia um who's on the album and had his girlfriend aforementioned um she told me out of nowhere that that was her favorite song that i've ever written and i had i was so like like i was so like oh that's the song okay um i guess i'll put that on a tennis double album then um so that's the Mm -hmm. only reason it's on the album but um but i think heather like literally because i sent that i sent the album to chandler chandler did his bit um I, I sent you know the, it, it to Paige and she did her her flute, um, and then I sent it to Heather at the very end, and Heather made the track. Heather literally made that track, and it's my favorite part of the album to listen to, honestly. So damn good. <laughs> I love the excitement you all have for each other as musicians. It's a really like tangibly warm friendship and like intercollaboratory relationship it's really cute i really like it <laughs> you're all so cute um but just before drifting off too much um you said heather made the album but let's or that specific song dinosaur in intro um but let's talk specifically about making the album uh last time we spoke you said that you uh had difficulty recording saxophone um was that easier this time around it was way easier um, because Rhiannon was quarantining at home. Um, she, oh, I think so she's she still just did pursuing it. Um, the saxophone. Yeah, yeah. She she did she did the saxophone um, for most. I of meant the, the recording. Oh, the recording of the of the saxophone. Yeah, she records yeah. her own saxophone every single time. She okay. has an insane setup because her um 
um, her her boyfriend is like um, like an insanely amazing drummer. So he has like insane equipment. So she just sends me stuff from her apartment, and it sounds golden. Um, it sounds like it's a studio recording. So I, I couldn't ask her literally anything else. It's amazing. So crystal clear. Like I I even leave in when she's switching notes. You hear that before she blows. I I leave those in because it's so crisp. It's so like it's like you can hear every detail. It's amazing. And where were you still? Uh, but, uh, were you still using? Um, God, what was the the DAW that you were using last time? Now I look like I haven't done my research. I can't remember. Logic. Anyways, are you still using the same one? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Recording yeah, yeah. the rest of the album. Logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's still the same software and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I also um, my my friend Paige did did some of the flutes and 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 she has like this crazy electronic saxophone um and she did all of that in in her and joe's apartment and it also is great so i'm very fortunate that i'm friends with amazing musicians who ha have the equipment that i do not have at all <laughs> i recorded all of it on a 100 blue microphone um on my part so i <laughs> it makes me look like i'm like like a little middle schooler going can i play um <laughs> can i play fine. Can I play? Mom said I had to play. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> um, What was the most difficult part about making this album? Can I answer? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah, please. I was going to say the, the most difficult part for me was not being able to actually be with the both of you guys, like jamming on it, because that's like one of my favorite like parts of like, like you know, playing with with anybody really, but specifically with y'all, it's just like, because, you know, the music is so intricate and, uh, you know, very uh, explosive at times with, you know, chords and melody and stuff. It's really fun to kind of get, you know, in person, obviously, you know, with this quarantine, uh, pretty hard to do that. But I, I thought that was probably the most, not difficult, but it was, it was, uh, you know, it was like, oh man. I don't get Frustrating, to, you know, yeah. Hang out and- Absolutely everybody else i i think i think in the beginning of the album cycle i said heather brings an energy on her drumming that i do not possess in my drumming so i felt like that was an immediate loss for the record with the, that that heather wasn't uh you know laying down the entire backbeat um mm -hmm. I, I felt i felt like that that was to the, the detriment of the album heather has always said that i am a weird drummer um <laughs> And this album is no exception. This is actually probably the weirdest drumming I've done ever. I agree. I agree with that <laughs> statement. Hardly. It's good. It's really good. It is really good. But very I, weird. It's very weird. You know, I, I drum... Um, like a robot. You know, you know, like, like, like a robot. robot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you know like how Stevie Wonder hears the song in his head? And, it's, and he'll yeah. go, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make a beat for it. And I know exactly how to do it. For me, I can, like, when I do the song in my head, I change the drum beat for the verse because I know, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, it changes here when I, when I do the piano, so I'll change it here. Um, and it barely goes together, um, ever. Um, it's funny, it's, it's funny like, you say that, because, like, I remember, like, listening to some of the tracks, and, you know, sometimes there will be hits, you know, in certain rhythmic patterns that you definitely want to like emphasize with the bass but normally 
for like verses, they're usually like the same kind of like hits. And I remember like recording it, you know, for I, I you know, a number of songs and okay, it's like, okay, this is that. And then I kind of, you know, want to syncopate <laughs> with it. But then there's like, it yeah. switches it up so many times, <laughs> which is like interesting. It makes me good. But then it's like, I'll, I'll think it's going to hit it. And then it like is, there's a, it hits it like on the and one or something, you know, it kind of goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which I thought was, it was cool because it kind of switches up the, you know, the rhythmic uh, feel of it. But it was also just like, oh, okay, it kind of makes me. That's another thing, like, why I like playing with, you know, with Tennis Elbow and like playing a lot of Ryan. Chandler, I miss you. I miss you too, Heather. <laughs> I, I want to like hang out, but like all this, all this junk. All these diseases. Um, Wait, but there's what? But yeah, like one, of the, one of the reasons why like, I enjoy it is because it kind of makes me sort of uh, play outside of this, this field that I kind of normally find myself in as like a bass player. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a couple other projects and it's, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's simple, obviously like I, you know, wanna bring a sort of complexity to it, to whatever I'm doing, but you know, I'm not gonna play you know, like a six, eight, like waltz or something with, you know, several different chord changes and, you know, things, which is like, I love listening to all that kind of music, you know, with all these, you know, like Ryan mentioned Stevie Wonder and like having all these like different parts and chords. Like I love, I love a good chord progression. And uh, I think playing with, you know, these guys is, is helpful in that it kind of gets that, you know, gets that part of me to like be expressed and be like, oh, I can just lay down some, you know, like a cool doodad. <laughs> a cool doodad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, uh, Chandler is in, uh, I would say, three other groups. Um, he's in Team Slayer. Uh, mm -hmm. He's an insanely amazing uh, group in, in Wilmington. And he's in uh, Subtle Fuzz, which is like a punk group in Wilmington. And um, my, uh, Mind Grader. The Mind Grader. Oh, yeah. That's, that's like yeah. a soul. I also I play with uh, I play with Kevin Earl too as like a bad. Oh, player. very cool. He yeah. does. If anything, he does too many things. I do too many issue. things. So yeah. many but that's things. Thing. Like you were saying with with the uh, like the manic energy that like you have and that like is yeah. obviously noticed. I'm the same way. Like I have to be like almost to a fault, you know, doing something like either making like programming drums or like noodling on like a guitar or, you know, consuming something. So I think it's, it's good, you know, you can kind of hear it on the record too, but I think it's, it's good that like both of those energies are kind of together. Does that make sense? I Absolutely. Guess. Yeah. 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 I've actually been thinking through much of this interview that uh, it's, it's clear that uh, the three of you have worked together for a very long time um the same goes for like working with Rihanna Dewey there's just so much of this album that like could not have happened had you not had all this experience together um but at the same time there's a lot of it that seems to have just like fallen into place you both being like manic at the same time Ryan just like having a concept executing it and have willing partners who are like open to working on it it just I'm gonna I'm gonna say it phenomenal I'm gonna say it <laughs> Now we've talked about this album a lot, but we haven't noted the release date. When does everyone else get to hear it? Okay, uh, the first, it, it drops in three parts, just like the um, Ai Weiwei um, piece. Um, 
it drops, uh, the first one is called The Drop, um, and that comes out uh, May 21st. And then The Fall, which is the second EP, comes out uh, June 4th. And then uh, the final album dropping a Han Dynasty urn with all the trash at once. Um, I think it's a 10 track album altogether. Uh, comes out uh, like June 18th, I think is the date. Yeah. The day before my birthday. June. Yeah, on Two purpose. days before on my purpose. little sister's Thank birthday. <laughs> this is all on purpose. I did this all on purpose. All on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, very, very stoked for this album to be shared with the world. Um, like I said, I cannot say enough good things. I was really engaged with the whole thing and um, am captivated by the complexity that you were able to shove into a 10 song package in like less than two months. Crazy. Love the cow, Heather. That is Having a, good a cow. cow. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, I, um, I, I always make a joke whenever I'm describing the record. I'm like, it's like a 13 year old just found out what John Stevens' Age of Odds is. <laughs> he wanted to do that um, right and um and yeah i mean like uh i think i listen to a lot of we weirdo stuff um like a like a like a lot of weird like you know people who, who don't do weird synth stuff because this album had a rule before this that we would never do synth um and then i was like i want to do that now so i broke my yeah. rule um and then i uh you know i, I even sampled like i sampled heather's drums and i sampled um, fix me on the first track, Dynosaur. I love that. I love um, that. I heard that and I was like, oh, snap. Uh, like a throwback. Sorry. Throwback. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, like this, this, this album was mainly just about breaking my own rules and, and trying to be uncomfortable. Um, breaking your own urn. <laughs> breaking my <laughs> own Han Dynasty urn. Just smash your own urn. But one is a lesser of two evils, a more palatable poison, poison, Foot in the door, toe in the face, and sing. Meet me in the middle to the Overton window swing. To the right, it's just the right and the wrong. Another right's in the wrong, another wrong loves this song. And the wrong runs the ring, and the wrong does the swing. Put in the door, toe in the face, and sing. Meet me in the middle, do the overton. You know what to do. to take a little bit of a transition and talk about another project that you guys have been working on um less during quarantine well i'm not sure how it's going during quarantine excellent background perfect time for the transition we mentioned this in the beginning two tree hill who what when where why go all right i, I have to do each one in order right um <laughs> well uh 
Two Tree Hill was a thing that started in Wilmington. Um, Heather is on the first album. Um, and then it just so happens that we, Heather, JD and I all moved together, uh, all moved to Brooklyn together um, at the same time and live in the same place. And uh, in turn, know each other very well now, <laughs> even better mm -hmm. than we already did. Um, but Heather helped us um, with a, like, uh, she helped us with every project, but she helped us with um, a thing called Two Tree Hill Japan, which is like a short film that I guess you'll call it, like a web series that we just did. Um, uh, that, it'll be on Spotify uh, in like two weeks. Um, it's in my notes yeah, for it, reference. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's um, the, uh, the journey for Two Tree Hill is, is different because I'm, I'm not a comedian, I'm not a stand up comedian. Um, and I never, I never intended on being a comedian, um, but that's all JD wants to be, which is my, my partner, JD Robertson. Um, and that, that's all JD, JD has always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Um, and I've always wanted to be a musician. And so we are doing musical comedy. Um, and that's been weird because I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to perform and stuff like that, but, um, we've gotten really lucky, um, in New York doing a couple cool gigs, you know? Um, so I'm, I can't really complain. Um, I have in my notes, I have a completely different, really very insane, why? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is, is that about Two Tree Hill or uh, dropping a Honda Ice Cure? <laughs> no, um, that's, a, that's about Two Tree Hill. Uh, you guys um, have a lot of weird skits and concepts. Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to, to make comedy stuff. Um, and Kinnisabo, I tried to, during our shows, right? Like, I've always tried to make it kind of funny and ironic and, and not serious. Um, do you remember that Halloween show that we did when we were all dressed up and I was a coach and I had yes. a big mustache? And, and, we, we, and we, we played like the mo like one of our, our most explosive shows ever that night. Remember that? That was like insanity. Um, it was basement. <laughs> R.I.P. Basement House. R.I.P. Yeah, Basement House. That was our favorite bin in Wilmington because it was, you know, the only one that was <laughs> that we, we could play whenever we wanted. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think that Two Tree Hill is, is is a cool stepping stone, or what it, it, it currently is, and will continue to be a cool stepping stone because um, JD and I are, re are really weird people, and um, we oh, really? like. And we're, and we're film majors, and we're, we want to be TV writers, and so those are the kind of things that um, we like to make. We, we, we just like to make stuff and see if we can. Um, I think that's the kind of thing. And plus, we love Fly of the Concords and Tim Minchin and uh, Tom Lerer and, uh, and Bo Burnham and Dimitri Martin and all those guys. So we, we just wanted to literally copy what they do um, with our stuff. Um, but you yeah, have no, any it, sort of, you can go. No, after you, after you. I was, I oh, was my, thank you. I was going to say, do you have any sort of like filtering process for these ideas? Like how many truly, truly batshit ones get thrown out before you end up making the Pillsbury Doughboy? Oh, God. You, you, you have no idea. The, the, the thing is, we, comedy is, is very different than making tennis elbow music. Because tennis elbow music, I never really have to ask myself too often. Sometimes I do, like in, in regard to dropping a Honda Steer and I go, is that problematic? Like, is that, you know, it, that's not my culture. I, 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 you know, I'm not dropping. Uh, uh, You're not out here smashing urns from the Hindon, yeah, Honda Yeah, like, I'm not going to, my culture, I'm not going to Cracker Barrel and, and, and burning it down, right? So I mean, yeah. like that. What? We're not? <laughs> well, I, I, um, yeah, so with Two Tree Hill, I absolutely 
very often, um, you know, JD and I check each other a lot where we go, uh, what you just said is bad and you should never say that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, cause mm -hmm. like, we'll just go back and forth for a few hours and we'll go, that's funny, that's funny, that's funny, hold on. Um, so we have to keep doing that. Um, and that's a weird process because I don't do that in music very often. Um, because, I don't know, comedy is the first thing to age poorly. So um, you kind of have to think about it way differently. You kind of have to be like, right. you kind of have to go, okay, um, obviously we don't want to make anyone upset or we, we, we don't want to be jerks. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I think Two Tree Hill is cool because we really don't like mean comedy and we don't like comedy that um, is at the expense of, uh, you know, people uh, uh, in, in any group. So we, we try our best to, to avoid that. Um, while on the other hand, Tennis Elbo is the group that just likes to have fun and hang out with their friends right. and skateboard. So it's a little bit different. And skateboard. We don't skateboard. None of us skateboard. Well, you could rollerblade. That's very in right now. You know, I was actually thinking about investing, but they're like three hundred dollars or two hundred bucks. I was also thinking about investing, but they are like three hundred dollars. Because I only want the seventies, like like you know, roller blades. Sorry, mm -hmm. ro like roller skates. I want the skates. I don't want the blades. I want like right. really. They have they have to be a certain look. Otherwise, the chunky like, ones, yeah. Yeah, roller blades. Get out of here. I want. <laughs> I said the chunky ones, thinking about because like roller blades, it's like a very thin line of wheels. But roller skates, it's like the it's like two sets of big old wheels. But I said chunky. They're and I very thought impractical. About like, well, I thought about like chunky Yeezys and then on wheels. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you're thinking of Etnies. Do you remember Etnies? <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely, I owned several pairs of Etnies back in my oh, day. Oh yeah. <laughs> Me too. This guy was looking. I'm fresh. thinking of a designer Heelys, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> they don't make Heelys in my size, and I'm bummed out. I don't even think I've never, at all. So I guess that's I've never hard. owned a pair of Heelys. I've always wanted one. It'll, I, I don't think I it'll ever come pair. together. I had a pair. Yeah, same. I was the shit. I almost broke my arm and I, I called it quits first day in, which is a very Ryan move. That's a very Ryan move to go, I want to play and then immediately go, never mind. Um, never mind. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I only have a couple more questions for you mostly because I have run out of questions and secondarily because you can tell this is a long interview because I'm no longer getting sunlight cast on my face and I'm only illuminated by the light of my computer, which is propped up on a trash can. You look lovely though. <laughs> Why, thank you. I told you I changed out of pajamas today. Um, pretty much, let's just talk about the Japan series and how Heather helped out with it. Where did that come from and what did she do? Heather filmed the whole thing by herself. Powerful. Powerful. One camera, that, one lens yeah. pretty much. One light. Yeah, one camera, one lens. Yeah, one light. Very and she, she did, she was not compensated. If anything, it, she lost money. They, from they it. didn't even uh, buy me a beer, okay? No, they should have been we, like, we did, we'll cover you, your utilities this month. Don't yeah. worry about it. If anything, we gave her more. We were like, if anything, the utilities are more expensive this month. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, she basically, you know, she makes our stuff happen at all. So it, it, it's amazing that, you know, she's who she is and JD and I are who we are. And basically JD and I are always like, who are we going to con into helping us? And um, <laughs> yeah. it's 
just so happens that we con Heather because she lives with us. <laughs> is it a con if she's willing and interested? No. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes um, she's like, oh, that sounds like fun. But then sometimes she's like, I want to do anything else. I don't want to do this with my dad. Do I have to? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. should just do more of the um, the dumpling soup reviews where you just film them yourself. You don't need any extra flair. Just reviewing Wonton Wednesday. noodles from takeout. Back. Yeah. You can bring honestly. it back, seriously. Honestly, that was probably my favorite content. Tell JD that he's my favorite member of Two Tree <laughs> Hill, specifically for the dumpling noodle soup reviews. Um, <laughs> and last but not least, what are your goals for Tennis Elbow and what are your goals for Two Tree Hill going forward? Um, last Alpha Cycle for Tennis Elbow, we made a music video for Why Would I Want That? Mm -hmm. um, I remember that one. Which is a, a great video. It's so fun. It's cute. It's great. Um, and I, I and I really want to make a content like that for this album cycle because I think that some of the songs lend themselves nicely to a, a quick music video. Um, but I think the it's kind of hard to pinpoint where either of those projects will go because Two Tree Hill is very dependent on performing and on uh, being in places where people are um as comedy usually is but you know and also since we him and i are apart uh right now it's been really hard to you know keep uh the creative energy alive um tennis elbow on the other hand it's you know i it, it's like if i don't get out of bed and do it it won't happen because it's basically a pet project right so right. um but and also in that case it you know i basically control it you know when to do it and how to do it and so there's no pressure so i could do tennis elbow if we were in a dungeon and i had a laptop so i mean like <laughs> i i think that's very um comforting but uh tennis elbow is going to release the album in about a month um a little bit over a month um but until then i guess i'm just going to sell my soul to, to music marketing um, which is a soulless hellscape, by the way. Music marketing. We learned about awful. that on uh, the song streaming on Do You Belong Here. Oh my God, it's horrible. Oh, I didn't miss it. That, if anything, that's why I didn't want to make another Tennis Elbow album so soon was because I, I remembered how horrible creating content to market it was. I was it's like, that, that music industry burnout. We talked about it. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, no, it's, it's awful. Um, yeah, Tennis Elbow is in a much better place like that with our very um like you said jack white and very um uh, full of ourselves and too smart for our own good yeah we went to college yeah <laughs> yeah i went to film school yeah that, that 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 should be the name of the album is yeah we went to college <laughs> <laughs> I, I i have a liberal arts degree in film that's the, that is the that's the actual caption for the uh for the album but yeah um the subplot subtitle yeah, so um, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah, Tinsel will, will be just fine. Um, Two Tree Hill will be just fine. I think they're both just going to have to adapt, like everything else in the world has to. Um, and 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 that also brings its own set of um, you know challenges as well. Because right, I think I think every band is, is kind of in that dilemma where they're like, we want to keep making stuff, we want to keep performing, and and it, it's becoming very clear that that is uh you know not going to be the same uh, as it used to be for a while so that, that right. so it, it's creating art at all right now if, if you're a musician um 
you can make the art in your in your like living room in your in your basement right um but in regards to like marketing the art in regards to you know reaching people in regards to uh, performing it's i mean like your your hands are tied it's it, 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 it's it's awful i mean like i i want nothing more than to be with these boys out performing and, and playing these new songs and and uh and making that happen and i i know that team player feels the same way and subtle buzz and all of them feel the same way oh, yeah. so i um and I, th I think I think that that is a shared sentiment for all, all the all the artists right now. Definitely. Um, and so on that note, I really appreciate all three of you talking with me today, particularly considering that it is uh, my first local beat digital session. Um, I think it went phenomenally well, and I've really enjoyed, <laughs> uh, as I've said repeatedly, getting to explore dropping a, a Han Dynasty urn. Um, really, really exciting album. Really really wonderful so thank you very much for being here today any final uh questions comments or concerns i have one yes you you in the yeah, star wars shirt so yes um <laughs> there we it's funny that we're talking about like not being able to perform and the whole music scene and stuff because uh weirdly enough there's a, a project that's been put out by quite a few uh local uh local to Wilmington artists that um, we all kind of collectively did over the past month or so. Uh, the quarantine sessions that we, um, I know Tennis Elbow's on it, Two Tree Hill's on it, uh, Pinky Verde's on it. Uh, yeah. Pinky Verde! Team players on it for sure. Um, and a, lot, a bunch of other like local bands. Uh, so if, if anybody wants to hear some cool music, it's definitely on Bandcamp, and there's been some hiccups getting it on streaming services, but all of the proceeds go to Nourish NC, which I believe Correct. is a local food bank in yeah. town. Yeah, yes. Um, so it's, a, it's supporting a good cause. Uh, it was started up by Marty uh, Cunningham of Team Player. Um, we kind of just got together. So if you know anybody wants to check out, you know, obviously any Tennis Elbow stuff or Pinky Verde stuff or any other kind of music of that, you know, realm, definitely go check that out. And, and they're like exclusive tracks too that aren't yeah. on the album. Yeah, they're not. That, that's the cool thing. Um, but yeah, you go to quarantinesessions.bandcamp.com to, uh, to do that. I think, I think it's $7. Um, and nice. obviously all the money, all the money goes to, um, to the Nourish and see, I think there's like 20 tracks. It's like insane. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome album. But also, um, uh, this is kind of news to Tennis Elbow as the band, um, but also Joe and I are, um, Thinking about doing a um, almost like akin to a telethon music festival kind of thing on Instagram, where we um, we've asked nice. a lot of artists to um, to come in and play two songs, um, and we're obviously we're gonna ask a lot of more a lot more artists um, to come in and play two songs. Um, also, Joe and I will will be hosting it, and it's it's gonna be very um, informal and very cool, and it'll probably be um, like June fourth or something like that. So um, yeah, uh, that's that's happening in the future. I think it's called um, intramural tennis. Uh, tennis with friends um and that's gonna nice. be fun um uh yeah yeah so yeah that's happening in the near nearish future um but yeah no uh the album comes out june 18th there are two EPs that drop before it and uh and i don't want to be marketing it anymore so if anyone if, if anyone wants to be um you know my manager i am all ears please <laughs> Um, so on that note, thank you so much for talking with me today.
Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're very welcome. My tea. I overstayed my welcome. I hate the toxic part of me. I'm over trying to tell him. You overthought that thought, babe. You overbooked my flight. So I couldn't make it home. So I couldn't make it right. But if you love me like you used to, how could you do the things you choose to? Like I'm nothing but a passerby on the train to lose you. But if you show your face to me, maybe then. either candidate. I don't find either of them to be a viable option to run the country.